Hey there, and welcome to Shadow Facts. That's facts as in horse treat-sized pieces of information, a podcast about Lord of the Rings. But only the horse parts. I'm Joey. And I'm Caitlin. And And this this is is our our oath. We vow to discuss every horse mentioned or visible in both the Lord of the Rings books and film adaptations, and we do mean every. We vow to rank every horse mentioned above. We vow to rewrite one of Tolkien's songs per episode to be about horses, live on the pod. And last but not least, we vow to answer the call of Gondor when the beacon is lit. By which we mean, answer your questions about Lord of the Rings horses to the best of our ability. episode 23 and it's still august of 2021 what is time <laughs> i certainly don't know i'm qualified to answer at least how, two or three questions how, but not that one how do you think horses experience time oh god i <laughs> i don't think they do yeah I mean, I think of the horse as a timeless creature, and I think some people would interpret that as, like, the horse is for all times, but the horse experiences no time. It is timeless. Yeah, you have to, I think you have to be aware of time for time to matter to you. Mm Mm-hmm. Horses are intelligent enough to learn. They learn things. Uh Uh-huh. Which implies actually some understanding of time because they know they have done things incorrectly in the past and correctly. They also learn to know when to expect dinner and things yeah, like that. Yeah, they do. They right? very much do. So, I mean, I in that the sense, more there is pertinent time. question but... is, do horses have a sense of rhythm? Mm. I mean, don't they kind of have a natural sense of rhythm, all of them, because of their gaits? Can we explain to them BPM? I think horses know how to do their different gates because they are singing songs to themselves in their heads. <laughs> oh my god! Horses for horses. Oh my god! Like trot is trot, 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 trot. Canters. Why is canter canter? It's a fucking crime that canter is a two-beat word and not a three-beat word. Yeah. Can we fix this? Can What's the third syllable that we add to canter? Is it a prefix or a suffix? Canterel, canterel, canterel. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, that's good. Canterel, canterel, canterel. And lope is lope. Lope. <laughs> this is good. This is much safer ground for me. I, I'm all for horses singing songs to themselves, but the thought of 
how do other beings perceive time literally i'm sweating i'm sweating right you can't that. perceive it's... time yourself so how can you possibly <laughs> perceive other creatures perceiving <laughs> yeah, I can't. time I'm, i don't i'm drowning anyways this is shadow facts i promise we won't talk more about the perception of time but we will talk at least a little bit about horses hey do you think if we could perceive time better our episodes would be shorter <laughs> God, yeah, we really, we were doing good for a while there, but the, I think the last one was another almost three hour Yeah, episode. it was a doozy. I would love for this one to be shorter. We'll see. Just putting that out in the universe. <laughs> Manifestation, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the section of Lord of the Rings that we are covering today is from Return of the King, the film, starting at minute marker. Return of my king. Three, oh eight, twenty two. And ending at 3.40.15. This, in many ways, feels like a return to the Second Age, the younger Halcyon days of Shadowfax. One, because there's not that many horses. And two, because the book and the movie are are somewhat aligned. Like, we're going to end today where we left off on our last book chapters, which is satisfying. That's not true. Wait, what's the last thing that happened in the book? Sam and Frodo being picked up by the eagles. <laughs> the last thing that, ha- that happened. Did you listen to our last episode? Yeah, I was there for it. I think it was Sam, it's Sam and Frodo being. Oh no! Wait, that's not. <laughs> Hold on a minute. <laughs> I guess I uh, forgot about that other chapter. Yeah, huh. the whole. The whole ceremony, the whole Arwen and Ottergorn's wedding, the like half a fucking journey home, the run in with Saruman. It's not my fault. I don't perceive time. Um, Do you remember when we were watching the movie and I was like, oh, we should stop here because it's going to line up perfectly with the book. And you didn't say a fucking thing about it. I was like in the back of my head. I was like, that's not. Right, but I can't read the back of your head. But. But it seemed a good spot to stop anyways, so I was like, okay, whatever. We'll deal with don't this know, later. Don't know what when they're I talking about, but sure. Do it publicly in front of other people. Great. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate that. <laughs> anyways, there's not that many horses, so it's just like early shadow facts for that reason alone. Yep. We got a lot going on today. Should we do our usual we'll kind of chronologically go through everything and then get into the horse nitty gritty? Yes. We should name a horse Nitty Gritty. Okay, write it down. Okay. Hold on, I'm adding it to the corral. Okay, so we start with Frodo and Sam in orc garb. They see orcs marching at a distance, and then they hear orcs marching closer, and then they try to look inconspicuous (laughs) by just sitting down on the side of the road. I mean, which, to be fair, is what they do in... The book also, one of the orcs sees them and forces them to join the line, thinking that they're just trying to take a break or something. A fair read, because it's not just like, oh, we're just going to stand here and be orcs. They're in the most, like, forced, casual, like, stuff. Uh So they not only get pushed into the line and have to run and try and keep up, but this part of the line is is undergoing an inspection as well, which is not going to go well for them. Yeah, Frodo is, like, dying, and is it Frodo who says, hit me? 
Yeah, so this is an interesting moment because there's a brief flash of what we really like from these parts of the book, which is Sam, based on his own information and his own power, trying to figure out what to do and not being able to consult with other people. Yeah. And so he's kind of propping Frodo up. The inspection orc has like seen him through the crowd and is marching along toward them. And Sam, halfway to himself, because Frodo is so out of it, is like, what do I do? What do I do? Uh, which I, I like. And then Frodo from One Foot in the Grave is like, hit me, Sam, start a fight. Start fighting, he says. And they do. And there's a whole fight around them. And then they run and just climb right up a little hilly rock while everyone fights below them. And also, there's an orc in this segment. The one who impels them into the line, who is like, finds them by the side of the road and makes them join the column, has the cutest double nose rings. Like, they're so, <laughs> like, hot girl summer. It's great. Huh. Uh-huh. I just wanted to point that out because it was like, I saw this orc and was like, oh, cute. Yeah. Cute little nose rings. Yeah. Another thing I liked is when they're, like, scrambling away over the ridge, you can see that Sam on the outside of his orc garb, like right next to his sword, has all of his little pots and pans tied. There's a walking montage. Well, they they get rid of all their stuff. We're not not there yet. Okay, okay. There's a walking montage. Here's what I wrote. Start fight to escape. Montage of walking. Evil landscape. With the parenthetical note there, I'll come back to in a second. Frodo collapses. They jettison gear. Frodo resting, Sam sees star. There is light and beauty that no shadow can touch. Frodo looks at Sam and, or Sam looks at Frodo and sees the same thing in him that he's seeing in the star. Um, The evil landscape note is, you know, when we hit that sort of description in the book, which was a while back now, it was really evocative. It like, there was so much filth right? Like it was very clearly like that land was not just naturally evil. Yeah. And I wanted more of that in this scene in the movie. Mordor of the movie is a much less inhabited place than Mordor of the books. Yeah. Peter Jackson was like, industrialization? What's that? Surely that doesn't have consequences. I mean, I know we see it in other ways sometimes, but yeah, just, just a thought. Um, yeah. And then that scene, oh, go ahead. Well, I'm just thinking about, I don't, I don't know if this is for the podcast because I don't know if this is fully articulated enough, but Mm -hmm. even like a white New Zealander, I feel like could have a compelling lens about like imperialism and the industrialization and ruin of landscapes by forces you know Mm -hmm. there's obviously some of that but really it's that's more about um like fangorn and isengard and that's there's no yeah conception in the movies that like that also applies to mordor yeah uh i think that's all i have to say about that it's it's interesting yeah um, this little scene where Sam, Frodo is resting, Sam looks up, and there's a little space in the sort of smog and clouds above him, and a star shines through. Look, Mr. Frodo, there is light and beauty up there that no shadow can touch. 
And then he stares mournfully and also affectionately at Frodo. Ugh. Okay, back to Gondorians. With horses. With horses. The cavalry, we get kind of a montage of the cavalry. It's not even cavalry. It's like five horses (laughs) and a lot of people on foot. They're having a real disappearing horse problem. Yeah. As they approach the black gates, there's not a lot going on there other than the horses, which we will get to in the horse science segment. Yeah. Uh, Frodo and Sam drink the last of the water. Well, Frodo does. Sam says we won't have enough for the return journey or whatever. And Frodo says, I don't think there will be a return journey. And then Gondor actually assembling at the gate again with a few horses and then back to Frodo and Sam walking. Frodo hears ring whispers. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. And then the fucking eye is searching. This is, I think, when you see the kind of two pieces of the story align most clearly because we get everyone at the Black Gate to draw Sauron's eye. And then we literally see from Frodo and Sam's perspective, like deeper in Mordor, yeah, the eye being drawn that way until Frodo hears ring whispers, you know, entering one of his ring states. Sauron's eye is drawn towards him. And I'm not sure how much this larger scene works for me, but there is a moment that I found very emotionally compelling, which is like, Frodo, in the midst of this, being perceived by this horrible thing, the only thing he can do, like, with his current faculties to cope with it is he literally, like, turns his back to the light, which is such a, like, childish mm. response. It's so, mm-hmm. I'm so sad. Um, yeah. While Sam cowers behind a rock, is trying to, you know, get down, Mr. Frodo. And yeah, we get a, a world-class Frodo flop. Yeah. That's when Aragorn and company actually, like, ride up to the gate and say whatever they say. And then Sauron's eye is drawn away from Frodo and Sam. Oh, did you ever see... I can't remember who this was on LOTR Twitter. I'll have to look. Someone made um, a, a, like, PowerPoint presentation ranking in order, you know, quality Frodo's flops <laughs> no. for the movies. It's extremely funny. I, That's someone, great. Someone we know from LOTR Twitter. I'll... I'll find okay. it and link it to you because it's very good. I have to say, so like I have, I have feelings about the Eye of Sauron, mm-hmm. which I am sure I've mentioned before, but this is one scene where this and, and later when the tower falls are scenes where it really like crosses the line into I don't know, feeling less powerful or meaningful because it feels like just a fucking, like, flashlight. Yeah, the flashlight of Sauron. Yeah. I think we've talked about, like, the most compelling fear of the eye being the sense of, like, surveillance, like, deeply invasive surveillance. And I don't know how well this part of the film captures that feelings as compared to the books. I guess, so, like, in the book, there's some description, like, of this scene. There is a tower, and they see a red light in it, I think. But it's, like, through 
a window or slit or something. It is, it is seeing us more than we are seeing it. I'm just picturing the movies where like we see this like huge, like dark foreboding tower with this sense of like it watching, but we don't know what's actually in there. We can't see it. It sees everything and we can't fully see it. And I just think that would... The paranoia of like not knowing from where you're being watched or by who. Yeah. And I just think that would be much more impactful than fucking flashlight eye. Yeah. You know, obviously there's a difference between like prose where you're able to like literally hear what the character is thinking inside their head. And -hmm. then like a movie where depending on the kind of movie, this movie has gone very much for the externalization of of that. Where like you see it on their faces or they say what they're thinking. And so these emotional forces that are acting upon them also have to be externalized in a way. That's not true necessarily for all cinema. Like there is definitely stuff that that plays more in that interiority. But like these films specifically are very much about like showing you how it has happened. And it would be a really different series. I'm not even sure what that would look like. It's interesting to think about if they tried to lean less into that. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I mean, if I could give one note to Peter Jackson, okay, I couldn't limit it to just one, but (laughs) one, let them kiss. Two, let them kiss. Imply, don't show. Just a little bit. Just, (laughs) just turn up the implying knob by like 10% and turn down the showing explicitly knob by 10% and see where that gets you. Yeah. Some parts of the production are more like implication heavy. Like I'm thinking about like how much costume work and like set design Mm -hmm. and art is made and fleshed out to imply the world and then not lingered upon or explained or given a lot of time to like marinate and how effective Mm -hmm. that is at making the world feel like lived in Mm -hmm. and then how you would translate that to the more like scripted directed human side Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Um, okay. The Mouth of Sauron. I think that we're gonna, I think we feel differently about the Mouth of Sauron. Yeah. I think it's extremely fucking cool, like, monster design that works so well for me. I think it's cool monster design. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember what my criticism was. (laughs) (laughs) It just feels jarring because it's it's the humor element that rubs me the wrong way. What what do you think is the humor element? Because I feel like the humor, there's not much humor here. There's actually more humor in the book in this scene because he's kind of, you know, like a self-effacing courtier who gets his nose rubbed in it in the book. I don't know. Maybe it's just that, like, I don't know. When I was a teenager, like, when this movie first came out, The Mouth of Sauron was, like, there was some element of funniness in the way people responded to it. Oh, interesting. And I think there's still, like, 
there's there's a you know an incongruence between the appearance of him and his sort of like mannerisms i can see what you're going for like that he he still is like a not necessarily a courtier here, but he is speaking. Yeah, no, with I a mean, kind of he stilted has... formal language. Yes, and he that we don't see from any of the other like quote unquote creatures, right? And movies. he does this sort of little, I don't know, like head tilt, and I there's just there's yeah, there's something happening there that I think is supposed to be funny. That's interesting. I don't think he's supposed to be funny. I think it's he's supposed to be an, an uncomfortable character, like a, a character whose mannerisms are off-putting, uh, which I think works because you can see the party react to him, like how distasteful everyone finds him, like not just his physical appearance, but like the way he speaks to them, the way he like taunts them with uh-huh. Frodo's mithril. I mean, I like that interpretation. I guess I feel like Peter Jackson is not, that's not what he would do. I just Mm. feel like what we see from Peter Jackson is like, oh, I need to stick some humor in here to alleviate a little tension or something. I see what you're saying. I guess this doesn't strike me as humor. It strikes me as unease. Mm -hmm. I think the thing I dislike more about this scene is that Aragorn just, like, beheads him, which is, you know, like, cool in the moment, but also is very dissimilar from, like, Aragorn of the book, who was, like, (laughs) we're going to deal with. We've talked about how, like, formal and almost legalistic that scene is in the book. Yeah. You know, they lean into, like, oh, Aragorn's a badass, instead of, like, Aragorn is, like, a tender and noble person. (laughs) Who, right. you know, yes, will, like, fight and kill people, but, like, he's not really... Yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole thing in the book, is the courtiers, like, oh my god, you're threatening me. And that's the humor of the scene in the book, is, like, they're really not being menacing, and the courtier is like, oh my god, my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the thing that sits most uneasily, or reads, like, the most, like, Peter Jacksonification. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, of that scene as opposed to like the presentation of the mouth of Sauron but yeah Um, when Gandalf catches the mithril shirt he has tears in his eyes and it's really heartbreaking when you think about eye acting Frodo Elijah Elijah Wood gets all the credit for having like the biggest bluest Watery, yeah, but he's most he doesn't like that's just he just has those eyes. Gandalf, Ian McKellen, Ian McKellen is eye acting for everything he is worth here. Brilliant, constantly. Oh, the Mouth of Sarn also has like a sick ass horse who we'll talk about when we get there, yes. but has this metal helmet that has like runes all over it. We were trying yeah. to, has anyone translated those? Is that information out there? If so, please let us know. Yeah, we should do a little research and see, because you were trying to... Um... Yeah, I mean, I know Anglo-Saxon runes, but some of those runes don't match, because Tolkien, yeah, it's complicated, but... Um... Yeah, oh, I did think one of the interesting, like, dialogue things about this scene is that the mouth says to 
he's he's like kind of like individually mocking the members of the party. Like he mocks Gandalf and then he mocks Aragorn by saying, it takes more to make a king than a broken elvish blade. And um, that's when Aragorn like gets him, which is on its face ridiculous because obviously he is a king in so many ways. <laughs> the sword does not make the king. Mm-hmm. Aragorn though, right after beheading him, says, I do not believe it. I will not believe it about Frodo being dead, not about, you know, his kingship. So like that feels like the bigger motivator. I didn't, I wasn't saying I was reading that as like Aragorn being offended and that's why he beheaded this. It's more (laughs) as like, there's, there's no truth to be found here. There can be no conversation here because like, this is a being who will not, cannot or will not speak the truth with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have to say that when Ottergorn says those lines, I do not believe it. I will not believe it. It's very sexy. <laughs> He's just so fierce in that moment in a, a, a good way. The other thing I wanted to say, we forgot to say, uh, when they pull up and like challenge Sauron or whatever, Ottergorn sounds so um like Irish suddenly. Oh yeah, the Laird of the Black Lair. He says yeah. he says Laird like L A I R D. Yeah, it's fucking. I'm like, what 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 happened there, buddy? Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's weird because we really haven't seen any weird vocal affectations or like accent flippage or anything from Viggo Mortensen and it's just like jumps out right there yeah do they talk about his accent in any of the behind the scenes stuff like what they not that I've seen like he really because no I've always read it as like it, it is not replicating any real world accent it is its own thing, but I don't actually know that. It's just not an accent that is, like, immediately recognizable to me. Yeah, that that is interesting. I will have to look into that. I'm really glad that they didn't do the, like, modern fantasy thing of, like, everyone has a British accent. Yeah, although some of them do, like fucking Frodo, who does not IRL. I think that they are intentionally going for something in the middle. Like, they're going for, you know, something that was intended to be Mid-Atlantic's original use, which was, like, between an English accent and an American accent. I don't know. I think that they are expected that Elijah Wood was told to do a British accent. I don't think so. It's possible he was, and that's what he's ending up with, but I think they would have had other... Because Sean Astin is also an American actor, and does not have a British accent. We'll have to look into this because I feel oh, like... yeah. Huh. That's... Yeah. No, no, no. They, I think they are... I don't think that they are going for a British. I think they are intentionally trying to cultivate something in between, especially because they do have this, like, mixed cast. Yeah. I have never heard this talked about. We will have to do research and come back on this because this okay. is... I, I guess I hadn't thought about it before, but that, that is interesting. I just know that, like, when I hear Elijah Wood in Over the Garden Wall, he sounds totally different 
he's definitely going for something. I just yeah. would I don't think he's going for a British accent. Okay. Frodo and Sam resume walking. Otterborn yeah, gives big wait, speech. Wait. Oh, sorry. Before we get to big speech, we cut back to Frodo and Sam, and this is a thing that jumped out at me. Metaphorically speaking, they've been returned to being hobbits because they are, like, they don't have their elvish cloaks. They don't have their orc garb. This is Wait, the first time we've seen them. they don't even have their elvish cloaks? No, they're both in breeches and shirts, and that's it. Like, we see them shivering in the ditch. Like, they don't have their cloaks. their cloaks, though? Um, I don't... Well, I, oh, well, Frodo's cloak... Is gotten at the tower. No. Let's, okay, let's not get bogged down in Okay, Frodo's yeah, no, cloak, it's fine. Because that's not the important thing here. It's that, for the first time in a long time, we see them wearing only their hobbit clothes. Yes. And... When we cut back to them, we have sh- the Shire instrumentation. It's not playing yes. the Shire's theme, but yeah, it's but those kind of like, like little lilting flutes that uh-huh. we associate with the, the Shire theme. And I thought that was a really nice moment of like them being, they've been built up and changed in these ways during the journey, and but they've also been like stripped down and like boiled down to their essential selves in some way here. And I love the like, I love the musical nod to that. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ottergorn gives the big speech and boy, it's great. It's really good. Um, I love that because he's Aragorn. Like, it's not like Theoden. Theoden's big speech, which is also great, is like, it's for honor. It's for glory. And Aragorn's is like, you're afraid and I am afraid too. Like, you are brave. You are calm. It's like Aragorn's speech is about feelings because of course it is. Yeah. And like recognizing the humanity of the people who he's asking to help him do this like humanity threatening thing. Yeah. <laughs> the best part of that entire speech, of course, is, you know, he quietly, not to the whole army as he was just speaking, but to Gandalf and the hobbits and Legolas and Gimli who are right behind him. He says, for Frodo. Mm. Yeah, it's super fucking good. He also has some little, um, like, beads in his hair in the back. Yeah, he's got, like, a cute little half pony with some metal ornamentation. Yeah, it's great. It's not a hair piece that holds it into a half pony, like a clipboard or something like that. They're, like, little beads strung into his hair. And I was kind of speculating that maybe they're, like, a gift from Gimli, who also has hair Mm, beads. Yeah. Um, just to note that when he is giving this speech, he is on Brago, riding back and forth. Yeah, we see everyone. The whole, the whole horse gang is there when they, like, ride to the, to yeah, the gate and back. the main company. All on horses. Just keep that in mind. Uh, Frodo and Sam are climbing and struggling. Ottergorn's men are being surrounded. Frodo climbing and grunting. <laughs> what? Your nose? Oh my god. <laughs> I write down every, like, camera cut back and forth with great granularity so that I can argue with you about it. <laughs> I'm glad you have something to fill your days. Um, um, when Frodo was climbing and grunting. <laughs> uh, yeah, one of the, there the was, yes, the only time that happened on screen, okay, I'm sure. Okay, it was a lot of very close-up camera and a lot of very, like, weirdly shaky camera 
And mm-hmm. I was just like, this is unnecessary. Like, what? what is this shot supposed to do? I was yeah, not into we do, it. There is a lot of a lot of cuts back and forth of kind of similar things happening here. I'll give you that. Specifically back and forth between the company and Frodo and Sam. Yeah. There's a Legolas and Gimli moment as the as they become totally surrounded. It's their proposal. Yeah, it kind of is. Gimli saying, I never thought I'd die side by side with an elf. And Legolas says, what about side by side with a friend? And Gimli goes, I, I could do that. Yeah. Say I to the die. He literally says I do. And yeah. then they're engaged or married from then on. I think that's just an engagement. I think that's just an engagement. They have to have a whole like shindig, you know? Okay, yeah. We cut straight from that incredibly gay scene to another, which is Sam cradling Frodo on the slopes of Mount Doom. And talking about the Shire. You know, Sam asking Frodo if Frodo remembers the Shire. And Frodo is like, no, I don't remember the Shire, nor the taste of strawberries, nor the touch of warm mm-hmm. grass. You know, some, go touch grass, Frodo. And then Peter Jackson ruins everything. Whoa, hold on. Oh, no, that's later. Sorry. That's so much later. <laughs> that's when Frodo is actually remembering the Shire. And then Peter Jackson ruins everything. Uh, yes, yes, which is a nice, which is a nice inversion because here Frodo can't remember yes. and says that this is where Peter Jackson gets it right. This is Frodo yes. s- saying like I I can't go on, and Sam says, "Come on, Mister Frodo, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you," and slings him over his shoulder. Now you're giving Sam like more more UK of some kind accent than oh, he no. actually has. Well, listen, you're the you're the designated Sam speaker on I know. the show. You have the Sam voice. I know. But yes, it's a great moment. It's beautiful. Um, We're 2% out of order. Because so, Fro- for Frodo hasn't happened yet. Sauron's voice says Aragorn, which yeah, is weird. Sauron speaks directly to Aragorn, and he like kind of spaces out for a moment. And Gandalf, Gandalf like perceives that this is happening. Like Gandalf looks at Aragorn with worry and it feels like there's this moment of tension of him like waiting to see how he's gonna react yeah because Aragorn sort of lowers his sword and has tears in his eyes and it feels like that palantir scene before where Sauron sort of like gets to Aragorn by showing him dead Arwen his dead loved ones and he like drops his sword and it kind of feels like that's about to happen again and you're like oh shit Aragorn keep it together but then he says for Frodo and charges. And guess what? He's on foot. Everyone's on foot. There's not a fucking not horse in sight. Not a horse anymore. in sight. It seems like a pretty serious, like, continuity blip. We, we were saying that maybe, like, they know that the chances of them coming out the other end of it unscathed are extremely low. And so I like to, in my little head, picture them turning their horse friends free like sending them as the orcs are marching out before they surround them they like send the horses off like back gondor direction yeah but they're certainly not here yep um sam sees the door to mount doom and then smeagol attacks how did you feel about this whole little smeagol scene 
Uh, it's okay. I feel like the fist fights, like the weaponless fights between Gollum and Frodo and Sam, because we've had several of them now, mm-hmm. feel much more like visceral to me in some ways than like, you know, like the Gondorians fighting the orcs. Because it's lots of like Frodo and Sam like fucking bouncing off of rocks and like yeah. Sam gets his neck bit by Gollum. Yeah. A moment I really miss here from the books is Sam choosing to spare Gollum. It's that both Sam and Gollum get so entrenched in the fight that Frodo is able to kind of skip away without them. Sam realizes this and goes after Frodo, leaving Gollum behind. And so there's not, they allied that moment, which I understand there's a lot going on, but I really love that moment in the books of like Sam choosing not to hurt this person who has hurt him the most. Yeah. Making the same choice, right, that Frodo has made once it's actually like once it comes down to it. Yeah. Frodo says you swore on the precious, which is, you know, like a nod to that whole thing, but it is handled so differently (laughs) Yeah, here Gollum does like a big old fucking villain grin and says, we lied. Yeah, it's fine, whatever. But in the book, that oath actually has Binding, it's like, it is, like, that oath will be upheld by the ring, is what Frodo implies. Yeah. Yeah. And here there's like no indication of that. It's just a simple broken promise. Yeah, it does It does some interesting characterization stuff for, like, Smeagol and Gollum, because we lied is, like, I intentionally misled you, and now Gollum slash Smeagol is, like, fundamentally unable to di- direct their own actions when it comes to this thing. I think it is a promise he could never have kept because of, like, who he is and the power the ring has mm-hmm. over him, but I don't... That's a very different thing than a promise that, that you he make. had no intention of keeping... Exactly. Yeah. The ringwraiths are approaching the Ottergorn battle. Gandalf sees a ringwraith and then a moth in front of his face and then the eagles. There's just a lot of like very like quick back and forth cuts. Like this whole Frodo scene that's about to happen. Like we keep cutting back to the battle for short moments. I wish we, I could have done with less of that way, way less of the battle in general. Like yeah. these, there's a lot of beats that happen in the battle that are supposed to like raise the tension for me. Like there's a whole thing where like Aragorn goes like one-on-one with a troll and the troll yeah, like, steps and then on him. Getting stomped right when like Gollum falls and the ring gets destroyed. Yeah. No, we didn't need that at all. Okay. But let's keep, let's keep going through yeah. this chronologically. Okay. Frodo is holding the ring out. Yes, and that's when Sam enters the... Yes, Sam is yelling at him from a distance instead of just going up to him. I know, I know. Like, I I do like it because it visually echoes. Like, they're standing in the exact same spots that Isildur and Elrond were, like, however Mm. many fucking years ago. Mm -hmm. And I like that operatic mirroring. That's great. But, like, I also, I'm, like, screaming out in my heart. Like, I cannot convince myself that if they had actually, like, gone up and, like, talked to, if they were able to actually, like, talk to each other and be close to each other. Like, I'm like, this would have ended differently. Yeah. <laughs> than if they were yelling at each other across this chasm. It's horrible. Uh-huh. Frodo turns and says, the ring is mine. 
And then he has the chain in one hand and he hooks his finger through the ring with his other hand, although it's not all the way on yet. So he's not invisible yet and tugs and the chain, this big ass chain with these big ass links that we have seen so many times, these three films just breaks like nothing. That actually doesn't bother me because we like the ring. Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's the thing. This is a general pet peeve of mine in movies when like people just constantly like break necklace clasps and shit. Uh, yeah. I do agree that like we know that the ring does this shit, but it is, it's not even a clasp breaking. It's just the fucking chain itself. I don't know. I love that stuff because I love the like unreliability and like fickleness of the physical world when it comes to this kind of like, ugh. I'm thinking of, like, just a couple of scenes ago, we saw, like, Frodo with this giant, gnarly neck scap from where, like, the ring, against the rules of physics, has been so heavy on his neck that it's literally been, like, scraping his skin away. And so I think that actually, like, that to me makes the the physical feeling of the ring more compelling to have these kind of, like, reality-altering little things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it just reminded me of all many settings where that is not the the thing totally. happening. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I wrote putting on ring shot is weird. I don't know <laughs> what the... I thought was weird. It's so slow. Where he's like, he has the horrible villain look on his face, and his head is he kind of down, but he's like look. looking up from under his eyebrows a little bit and he's just like slowly inching the ring over his like straight held out finger (laughs) it's extremely weird uh i tweeted this from the shadow facts account but i got like served an ad for a t-shirt which was just a still of that shot oh right (laughs) yes that's the shot it was yeah it's, it's weird Okay, actually, I'm about to be the details guy. Like, you were just, okay. I feel like you're sometimes yeah, yeah, the yeah. details guy. I'm about to be the details guy. So he puts on the ring. He's invisible. And uh-huh. Sam is like, oh, no. And then Sam gets hit from behind with a rock by Gollum. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then Gollum is looking for Frodo and is able to find it because Frodo is leaving these big, wet, fucking sloppy footprints on the rock bridge. And I'm like... <laughs> What? Is your foot melting? Like, what is happening there? Like, the whole thing is, like, you're in this dry, dusty, arid, like, no fucking water mountain. Like, what is that? Hmm. Yeah, he pissed I don't know. himself. And- <laughs> God. Yeah, no, they're so, like, they're not just liquidy. It's, like, goopy. I, I will be the details guy about that one, because that has always bothered me. Of, like, what the, f- Frodo, what the fuck is that? Like... Yeah. In my head, I've always pictured it as like, like, oh yes, they're actually filming in Mount Doom, and so his prosthetic <laughs> hobbit feet, the fucking plastic is just melting. Yeah. And um, then we get the, you know, Gollum and Frodo wrestle. We get the finger crunch. Sam has woken Buck up at this point and is able to see the finger crunch. Yeah. Gollum is dancing around with oh my God. the ring. Frodo's hand is just covered in so much blood running down. That may be very accurate. It just is, it's a lot of blood to look at. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And then this is cutting back and forth with Aragorn and the armored troll and Legolas trying to get to him through the battle. Like I, that's a genre of shot I generally love, which is like 
people seeing each other in trouble on the battlefield and like mm. trying desperately to get there. First of all, no stepping on my king. Yeah. But the stakes are already so unbelievably high. Like, Yeah, I we just... don't need Ottergorn literally getting stepped on to like be... If, uh, if I want to see Aragorn <laughs> stepped on, it's not it's in not that like way. It's not like that. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Gollum, yeah, like you said, does his little dance and falls backwards. Well, after Frodo attacks him, because in the book, it's just that he's doing his celebratory dance and like steps backwards and falls, right? Uh... Sam wakes up, he sees a strange and terrible thing. Gollum on the edge of the abyss was fighting like a mad thing with an unseen foe. Blah, 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 blah. Suddenly Sam saw Gollum's long hands draw upwards to his mouth. His white fangs gleamed and then snapped as they bit. Frodo gave a cry and there he was, fallen upon his knees at the chasm's edge. But Gollum, dancing like a mad thing, held aloft the ring, a finger still thrust within its circle. It shone now as if verily it was wrought of living fire, and Gollum is crying, My precious, oh my precious. And with that, even as his eyes were lifted up to gloat on his prize, he stepped too far, toppled, wavered for a moment on the brink, and then with a shriek, he fell. Mm. They do not both go over, and it is just the general attack that, like, they're they're wrestling. Right, which makes the film version where they... they Gollum gets Frodo the ring pushes. and then Frodo tackles him again. Yeah. And then they fall while they're grappling. Yeah, which is like we've already we've already seen Frodo's like perversion of will of like being unable to throw the ring in. I feel like I don't need this additional step of like him. I don't know. Yeah, it just Yeah. It's very dramatic, but it feels character-wise a little funky to me. Only good thing this gives us is that then Sam has to reach out and rescue Frodo, who's hanging off a cliff ledge, and that requires more, like, hand-holding. We've seen several times on Lord of the Rings Twitter, there's, like, side-by-side shot comparisons of, like, Frodo reaching down to pull Sam out of the water at the Uh end of Fellowship. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Versus here, and I, I love that. I'm such a sucker for that. Yeah. And then at the bottom, so Gollum falls in and, like, fucking melts. And then the ring is preserved for a moment on this, like, bed of golem scum. Uh, like, you know, as, like, a, like, oh, no, like, it's in, but, like, it it hasn't, it hasn't gone yet. Ooh. But I do like that sitting there, you see the inscription begin to glow because it is warm. Mm-hmm. I just have to read something from the book. Because we're mm-hmm. talking about, like, how this sort of Sauron stuff is treated in this section. And I'm just reminded, as I look at this page, of the differences. And far away, as Frodo put on the ring and claimed it for his own, even in Samathnar, the very heart of his realm, the power in Baradur was shaken, and the tower trembled from its foundations to its proud and bitter crown. The Dark Lord was suddenly aware of him, and his eye piercing all shadows looked across the plain to the door that he had made, and the magnitude of his own folly was revealed to him in a blinding flash, and all the devices of his enemies were at last laid bare. 
Then his wrath blazed in consuming flame, but his fear rose like a vast black smoke to choke him, for he knew his deadly peril and the thread upon which his doom now hung. From all his policies and webs of fear and treachery, from all his stratagems and wars, his mind shook free, and throughout his realm a tremor ran. His slaves quailed, and his armies halted, and his captain suddenly steerless, bereft of will, wavered and despaired, for they were forgotten. The whole mind and purpose of the power that wielded them was now bent with overwhelming force upon the mountain. At his summons, wheeling with a rending cry, in a last desperate race there flew, faster than the winds, the Nazgul, the ringwraiths, and with a storm of wings, they hurtled southwards to Mount Doom. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's good. And it's I really just good. think the movie is not as good. Well, the thing that's missing from the movie is, like, the personhood of Sauron. That, like, he, yeah. he realizes, like, how his failings have allowed this to happen. And yeah. in the movie, it's, like, animal an animal reacting to stimuli. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the scene of, like, Sam holding on to Frodo, like, don't you let go, is so good. There's choral stuff happening here. Music. Those lyrics oh, 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 that we yeah. talked about. This right. is one of those times, I am assuming. Yeah, it is. So don't let go. You want nothing more than this death. I see it in your eye. But I cannot let you. We have come too far. We have held on too long. Reach. You cannot let go. You cannot leave me. Don't go where I can't follow. Oh god, and also, before that, you have fallen and I cannot reach you. Every step I walked you on, every moment I led you to this, you never left my mind, not once, not ever. (laughs) Bro. Yeah. And then the thing happens. The lava melts through the golem scum and the ring melts in an instant. I love actually that the the actual melting of the ring is not this like drawn out like VFX thing. Literally, it it hits mm-hmm. the lava and it melts instantaneously. It's it's gone like it never existed. Okay, hold on. Hold on. We are interpreting this scene differently. Because you're talking about Gollum scum, and that is not how I interpreted this. What you, I is see, that just like a lava crust? What, I what do you see, think that is? Yes. What I see is that the ring hits the lava, the sort of power struggle between them. It's like the lava is cooling right under the ring. Because As the if ring... it's like Sauron trying to Sauron. Yeah, or like it's almost itself. like the ring can absorb so much heat that the lava under it crusts and hardens a bit because Mm. some of that heat is like being drawn out of it essentially but it can't do that for forever indefinitely and then it goes that's also that's also a cool read yeah i guess i get to that because Gollum hits the lava and is literally melting into it and with his like last action is like holding it up higher in his hand yeah i just think of like he once he is under the lava he there's nothing of him left that can form anything. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's gone, he's swept yeah. away. Yeah, actually, no, I, I do really like your interpretation, which is, like, the ring through chance and through, like, physical manipulation. Yeah. Like, that's that's its effect upon the world. There's, like, that- a power struggle between the lava and the ring right there. 
yeah, I do like that. Um, a lot of the these lava effects are practical effects, which is extremely cool. They built these huge plates with UV lights under them and then actually had this kind of like lava-like substance that they would shift this massive plate to make the lava run and it would have the light shining up from beneath it. Wow. So it looks, you know, that's so cool. it's extremely cool. Yeah. And then, and then it's done just like that. And we see Barador come like crumbling down and back in the battle with Aragorn and co like there's this one moment of silence. Like everyone is listening to a radio transmission. They can't hear. Mm-hmm. And then all the, orcs and trolls and whatnot just start hauling ass out of there yeah as the tower starts crumpling the eye dilates back and forth and is like or maybe just i don't know i just wrote eye dilates and darts around and it is very like it's animal caught in a trap not like it's evil being realizes it's downfall It doesn't really do it for me. And in fact, crosses the line into sort of comical. Yeah. And then there's a like an implosion, like a big sonic blast out. Yeah. Like this shockwave. From the eye. Although before that, we see Gandalf tearing up again. Yes. And Mary, who is crying like in his helmet and like chanting, like with his sword raised, Frodo, Frodo. Pippin is crying and saying Mount uh, and saying Frodo's name. I love seeing their reaction here because then we cut to Barad-dur crumpling and Mount Doom literally like explodes like a volcano, and we cut right back to them and see their faces, which were like unbelievably like full of like hope and triumph and relief, just like crumple because they realize that Frodo and Sam must have been there when it went up. Yeah. I guess I wonder when Gandalf tears up to me, because that happens before Mount Doom erupts, before they see it. Correct. To me, I read that as like Gandalf is both like happy and proud that Frodo has fucking done it, but he also already realizes the sort of sacrifice. Yeah, that's that's entirely possible. He he is teary there, but to me, it doesn't have any of that mournful cast yet. Like it okay. seems like. Yeah. Tears of, of joy, unexpected relief. relief. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's very. I mean, because Gandalf, being who he is, you know, like he has a farther sight metaphorically than anyone yeah. else. And so, I don't remember. Like all I wrote was Gandalf tears up. So I don't, and I don't remember like how I actually felt about his face looking. But certainly when like Pippin crying and saying Frodo's name happens after they see the eruption. And that is absolutely like, he's like, oh fuck, Frodo is dead. No, no, no. That happens before. The, so Barad-dur crumbles first. And then we see Frodo. And that's when the baddies start running away. And then we see Mary chanting Frodo and Gandalf. And then we get the the kind of sonic blast that like starts to crumble the ground. And that's when Mount Doom goes up. So Yes, and then Pippin starts crying and saying Frodo's name. I didn't, I didn't remember that. I only, I guess I only had eyes for Mary in the scene chanting Frodo, I missed yeah. Pippin. No, literally okay. like Mount Doom happens between Mary's, Mary and Pippin's reactions. I, you said, you must I have believe. said Pippin, but I was still hearing yeah. Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then like literally like the ground, the ground falls out from... All the orcs and Urukai. Yeah. 
And then Frodo and Sam run out of the mountain and leap for a little island of rock. Yeah. The lava is like right on their heels. Like it's so, it's so close. Yeah. Frodo says, it's gone. Yeah. It's done. And Sam says, yes, Mr. Frodo, it's over now. You can tell like there's such an apparent change in Frodo. Like he's still obviously in bad shape, but he mm-hmm. looks and sounds the most like himself that we've seen in a while. And he's got his head like lolling back with his throat exposed. And he says, I can see the Shire. And this is where Peter Jackson ruins it. Yeah. So he's talking about the Shire. Sam is crying. And I wrote in parentheses because he's imagining his future with Frodo taken away. And Sam says, and Rosie Cotton. With ribbons in her hair. If I was to marry anyone. Yeah. It would have been her. No, what are you talking about? (laughs) No. Peter Jackson was like, no homo, fucking coward. It, to me, it's such a weird moment because we have not heard Sam talk about Rosie literally once since they left the Shire. They have talked about missing the Shire and the creature comforts of it and Bilbo and Marion Pippin and everyone else from the Fellowship. It still would be unsatisfying to me on some level, like just because of the depth in Frodo and Sam's relationship. If, you know, throughout he had been like, oh man, like this journey has really put in perspective to me that like I sure would like to be in a thruple with Rosie and <laughs> Frodo when I get home. But there's, it just feels so yeah. out of the blue. Yes, Sam's relationship with Rosie is canonical in the books. It's not like Peter Jackson just added that, but it has no place here and now. I just don't think that there's enough plot or textual support to read this as a heterosexual relationship. Yeah. So as Sam has said this and is is crying, Frodo leans his forehead against Sam's, kind of holding him and says, I'm glad to be here with you, Samwise Gamgee, here at the end of all things. He doesn't even say here with you. He says, I'm glad to be with you here at the end of all things. And then they should have kissed, is what I wrote in all caps. But instead, there's a full fade to black. Yeah. And then we fade back in, and it's the two of them, presumably sometime later, like passed out on this little rock. And we see the eagles flying in, in the background, and they pick them up. There's a weird shot of Frodo. It's, It's the weirdest shot of Frodo yet. He's held in the eagle's claws and so we're seeing him from straight above with his head tipped back but it's so like it just feels like i'm staring straight at his skull something about the angle is really weird yeah and he's doing a big old classic kind of fluttery eyes closed pass out yeah and then we fade to white mostly it it's not quite mostly. a full fade like the black like the black is like a full it is black for like a full two seconds or something before it comes Having back those in. Having two, like the fade to black followed by the fade to white is so weird. It just feels like a really weird transition between those scenes and they didn't know what to do. And so they just did some like screen wipes. Like it's, uh-huh. yeah. And that's where we're going to end. Wow. Wow. It only took us an hour and fucking 20 minutes to get through the not horse parts. That's not too bad for us. Uh, should we go back and talk about some horses? Let's talk about some horses. There's not very many of them. At 310.01, the horses are like heading to the Black Gate. 
We see Brago and Arod and Firefoot again. We see Cinnamon some more from the last movie episode, who was in this company. For those of you who remember, and the shot of the the line riding away from Minas Tirith with like freshly kinged up Aragorn in the front, Cinnamon mm-hmm. is the second from the right of that front row. Yes. We get a lot more details on him in these shots altogether. He has some very clearly patterned face armor that I think we will post screenshot of. The one difference is that he is not wearing the chest medallion that Cinnamon was wearing in the earlier shot, but we are. But it's clearly the same horse. This is the same horse. Uh, He's a bay. He's a little lighter underneath. Black points gets um, a little like tawny and then gray around his nose. We, we described it as being akin to the, you, the pangaree. You, dis- you described it. Do you disagree with me? I just think it's easy to like learn a new term and then apply it to everyone. And I think actually a lot of horses have this thing happen. Yeah, I don't, I'm not saying that cinnamon is a yeah. pangaree, but has really clear face markings. If you actually look at a pangaree, it is higher contrast than this is that's yeah that's totally fair but saying it as a touch point for people yeah that's fair we also can see his feet yeah a back right sock and a left front very narrow coronet so none of those are new horses but just wanted to share those details at 314 13 we see shadow facts and also some new horses well maybe new we're counting them as new yeah so the line of soldiers who are mostly on foot and all of these mounted riders, the line kind of like snakes up the middle of the screen and then jogs to the right and then left. Like it's a long line kind of serpentining. Yeah. All of these horses are on the right side of the line, kind of Just starting sort of at the front. Just along the outside. Correct. Kind of like when all the refugees were leaving um, Edoras yeah. and there were like yeah, 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 occasional yeah. horses along the sides. Number one is a chestnut ridden by a Rohirrim face armor, rich color on the the chestnut, um, like fine polished wood. Yep, that's what What I have to name this horse. Oh, yeah, we that's how we do it now. We don't go through and do all of them. Um, yep. Okay, let me tell you about what we have locked and loaded in the corral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have Ilanwe, Achilles, Vindualos, Holdwine, and Nitty <laughs> I feel like none of the corral feels appropriate. What's a nice... Maybe we could name it, like, Lacquer or something... Veneer? Something about it being, like, a nice polished wood color? I feel like whenever we talk about wood, you say the word veneer. Do I really? I don't know, but I just had such a deja vu moment. (laughs) (laughs) No, just when we're naming horses. Whenever there's something wood related, you are like something veneer. I I mean, I like the word veneer. It just makes me think of teeth. Like, I understand that it's not just tooth related. It's also wood related. And also, I mean, I like veneer because veneer feels like a fantasy name it's got that cadence you know Mm, and the v mm -hmm. um what are some other good wood words 
We can name it a kind of wood. Bureau. No. Dresser. Fuck off. (laughs) Cabinet. Charcuterie board. Okay, so we don't do a lot of, like, making up names. Like, I think we've done it maybe once or twice. Usually it's, like, names that already exist or words that already exist. But what if we make up a name? Because I'm thinking about fantasy names, which are fucking made up. Wow. Okay. George. It's like George, but it's got a D. (laughs) Okay, I was thinking, like, Dresseran, which is like (laughs) Dresser with an A N. vampire and it could be like an it could be like bureau backwards or like an anagram or something hold on Mm, bureau backwards is not great because it's like ua rub (laughs) ua rub it's just uae rub yeah i don't think it's great (laughs) Um, we could do back. We could do dresser backwards, which is ressered, which actually sounds pretty good. Oh, ressered. Yeah, that like totally works. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ressered. Yeah, let's do it. Fuck yeah! <laughs> I'm glad we got there. <laughs> Number two. Okay. I feel like we need to clarify. These are some like bullshit horses. Like we we can see they're so, so blurry and they're distant. so blurry. Number two is brown. We think. Um, no main data is what I wrote. <laughs> um, the writer has a pennant, but one of those kind of like short, uh, long ones. Its ears are kind of forward. The writer has Rohan armor. I think that's all we got. Mm-hmm. How do we turn no main data into a name? Mm, Detamine. Perfect. Which is just... Data main. Data main. I'm going to add an E. Yeah, I'm just gonna... add add an acute accent over the E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, We're fucking killing it today. Or actually, if you add the two dots over the E, that's a much left. more Tolkien way to yeah. do that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Data mine with umlaut. Got D- it. Data main. Yeah, data... Hmm. I don't think I could say that. <laughs> data main. Data main. Really want to say data mine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This horse is a fucking hacker. <laughs> uh, number three is a chestnut with a pennant. Very blurry. Pixelated the horse. Uh. What's pixel backwards? Lexip. Okay. What about variably? Which is just some of the sounds of very blurry stuck together. Yeah, I love it. How do how are you spelling this? V E R I B L Y, but it could also have it could have two Y's. It could be V E R Y B L Y. I think the I think the middle needs to be an I. Which is very similar to the word veritably. I don't think veritably is a word on its own. 
I don't think it is not either. positive. Yeah. No, I like that. But yeah. Okay. Uh, I like that we have decided here at our second to last episode to take an entirely new approach to naming. Oh, this isn't, is this our second to last episode? This is no. our second to last movie episode. Probably. Oh, sorry. I remembered something from an earlier section that we didn't talk about, but I meant to. There is another face that Otterborn makes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is. When he's beheading the, the mouth of Sauron. Yeah, like right before he beheads the mouth of Sauron, as his face starts to change, he's got this like weird, greasy, lecherous uncle look on his face for a split second. It's not a good look. It's not, but we did screen cap it for your viewing pleasure. You're welcome. Um, okay. Number four is a white horse partially obscured by the pennant that Verably has. Mm-hmm. We can see that it has a chest strap. The pole of the pennant is in front of it. It kind of gives it a weird visual effect, like the chest strap has is kind of like a scallop. Yeah, it's no, not. Yeah. It's just, it hits the eye weird because the line of it is broken. And this writer mm-hmm. also has Rohirrim armor. I think pretty much they all do that we can see, which makes sense because they're the horse people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, what if this is Finduilas? Because it's a white horse? Like the moon? Yeah. I feel like it's disrespectful to give... <laughs> Faramir's mom's name to someone who is so barely on the screen, but that's I fine. just don't know if we're gonna have anyone better. Are we gonna have more elf horses? Oh, maybe. Let's let's we keep Fundulas. Let's keep Fundulas in the pocket for now. To continue our theme today, we have like the word scallop to work with. We have like pennant pole intersect partly obscured <laughs> scallop backwards is pollux which is kind of cute p-o-l-o-c-s yeah. yeah we could just shorten it to pollock which is better than pollux i think yeah it's just it's also like a term and it might be derogatory although i'm not sure for like polish people uh i th- it's spelled differently but that's the association I have with those sounds. Uh, I had not heard that before. It's also a fish, the pollock. Oh yeah, I knew about the fish. Um. Well, we can we can start. We can do something else because we don't want to do that. If you start at the R in obscured and work backwards, you get Ruxbow. <laughs> what? I- <laughs> I don't know why this subset of horses are all like fourth century vampires, but that's that's I'm I'm happy for them. Do you, I mean? Do you like that? Sure, Ruxbow. Great. Okay, number five. This is what I've written: light gray, comma Rohirrim. I can one up you. I have light gray, comma Rohirrim, comma mostly obscured by horse number four. <laughs> This might be nitty gritty. Or just gritty. Gritty the horse. Or an anagram of mostly is Lomsty. L-O-M-S-T-Y. Lomsty? (laughs) 
Do you yeah, hate okay. it? Fucking Lonsty the horse. No. <laughs> I just, there's like a total break in the inherent logic of how we name horses. Like, it's a continuous line. I mean, there's, we have a few. No, you know, we, we have, have a- had all kinds of variations. And some days we're like, oh, we're using friends at the table character names. And some days we're like, we're using fucking foods. And I know, today. But, but most of them are recognizable English words. Yeah. And then we hit this and it's like everyone's. Just sounds. When I was typing, my fingers were in the wrong spot on the keyboard. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, great. Or like all the names are in Singlish like, today. Right. Yeah, I was going to say it's like English word sounds without being meaningful. Can we name the next horse Simlish? Because that feels appropriate for our yeah. <laughs> how our pattern today. Uh-huh. Number six, our next horse is whitish with a darker nose. Yep. This is... Yep. That's all I got. That's... Simlish. That's Simlish okay. the horse. Number seven is a chestnut with spindly disappearing legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This... Something about the light quality, it really does. It looks like it. it's a cryptid or it's been badly photoshopped because it's legs are so skinny compared to its body and also just completely disappear into the turf it's standing on i think it has socks that because of lighting and color similarity blend into the background and so that's part of what's happening i have a note Mm -hmm. i don't know what this means maybe you can help Mm -hmm. so i have chestnuts bendily legs disappear into weird lighting sideways and then I have another word after that, which starts with a C, but I cannot read my own handwriting. It might be contour. It might be content. It might be contain. Does that mean anything to you? It's not chestnut. You wrote that already. I wrote that already. No, I don't know. The only thing I can think is all these other horses we're seeing who are kind of facing the screen diagonally at an angle, and this one is sideways like left to right across mm. the screen like but i really i don't know what that second yeah yeah so Who i don't know what the second knows. one is okay whatever um this one i would love to have it be something about the fact that it looks like a creepy pasta it looks like an scp monster mm-hmm. you you got anything for me there or <laughs> i this is i guess this is not your area no, I I don't have fucking any touchstones there. Okay, what if we just rearrange some cryptid letters? Yeah, I mean, I was I was working with letters in disappear or in spindly, but we could name the horse Spindle, which is kind of cute, but is not in keeping with this other group of names, you know? Yeah, slender, as in slender man, mm-hmm. is Rednell's backwards that's not bad so there's that as an option um cryptid backwards is dit purse or dit perk uh-huh. how do you feel about that one does that one feel good i mean i'm open to it i i like red nails better i also came up with the name reacid like r-e-a-s-i-d which takes parts of disappear but sort of inverts them and sticks them together, which is probably what I like best just as a a name sound, but I'm not attached 
to it. What if we did Percy, but instead of with a Y, it's an it's E Y and it's an anagram of creepy. <laughs> uh huh. Great. Um, purse, Percy. Great. Uh, th- those are them. Rustard, Tatamine, Verably, Ruxbo, Lomsdy, Simlish, and Percy. Yeah. We also have one more horse today, who we first see at 317.20, and this is the mouth of Sauron's horse, which has some cool stuff going on. We don't see a lot of it. Uh, we see a lot of its armor. It is a dark horse with possibly lighter legs. Like it might have a sock or like half cannon or something situation going on. The but light is also so weird. There's definitely and it's something so quick. Something is reflecting light off its legs, but we can't really tell what. Yeah. It does have kind of a reddish undertone, which we see in like the light hitting it in places. Like it's mm-hmm. mane and whatever. Um, it's got just a big daub of red gore at the top of its tail, like at the base. Very unpleasant to look at. It has uh, this like overlapping leather plate armor that has spikes following the ridge of its spine and neck. So like spikes from ear to the beginning of the saddle and at least one spike behind the saddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got face armor. It looks like it's made of like a rusted steel and there's kind of two layers to it. There's a, a top plate that like sits on the higher part of its head and then there's an underplate that extends beyond its nose which makes its head look kind of outsized and mm-hmm. then it's got a, a fabric layer um, under all of that presumably because it is metal. On its legs, it's got these ankle things that have like bat wing shapes that stick out to the outside on each one. And then like weird sort of spur things at the back of its hooves. I could draw them, but I don't know how to describe Yeah, we'll them. post, we have, I think we have a few screenshots of it that we'll yeah. post. It's it's very cool. It's it's a really, mini, like altogether, it's a very menacing effect because you can see so little of the horse underneath and it does these things to kind of change the proportion visually change the proportions of the horse when it first shows up its legs look too short for its body because there's so much sort of hanging down around it and its head looks so much like bigger and longer yeah and the the texture of the like rusted steel face armor and all these things on it makes the horse look like it's rotting it's very unsettling and unnatural effective effective design we have to give this horse like a fucking dope ass name oh right i need a language translation guide maybe yes yes um i am also looking at a word list Mm. a language historian theorizes that the language was based on the language of the Hittites. The Hittites? From the like, from the, yeah. the Bible? Uh, Bronze Age Hittites. I don't I don't know enough about the Bible to say if that is the same or not. Like H-I-T-T-I-T-E-S? Yeah. Uh, a people of Bronze Age Anatolia. Interesting. That was 
in Upper Mesopotamia and parts of the Levant. So that could very well be the biblical Hittites. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, I'm seeing bind, filth, dark, rule, fire. Any of these words jump out at you? Ooh, Morthond means black root and is the river that issues from the paths of the dead into Gondor. Oh. Ooh, there's a cesspool. Oh, what's... Cesspool is Bagronk, B-A-G-R-O-N-K. What do you really want to convey with this name? That's a great question. What do you think is the most defining characteristic of this horse? Menacing? Um... Rotting is a word you used. Yeah, rotting is cool. I love the concept of entropy. Mm-hmm. I don't mind bind just because the horse itself is so like bound up in armor. Mm-hmm. The I, I'm reading this on someone's like personal web page, which is a black background with red text, which is I guess thematically appropriate, but horrible to read. Mm-hmm. Ooh, abhorrence is Diloth. Ooh, Diloth. that's not bad. And oh, abominable is Saur or Thar, depending on Quenya or so Sauron. Yeah. Is, abominable. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Battle is Ndak, like N D A K. Okay. What if it's Ndakdaloth. Uh, what does Aloth mean again? Daloth abhorrence. That's not bad. What if we did, what if we combined like to bind and battle as like one who is bound for battle as an armored? Oh yeah, what's bind? Because I don't have it in mine. Uh, crimp. K-R-I-M-P. P. <laughs> K-R-I-M-P. That be that could be like Ndak crimp, or crimp crimp and dock. Or d- dagor is another word for battle. Is it d a g o r? Yeah. Cr- crimp dagor is not bad. Or Cr- dagor crimp. Yeah. Dagger crimp. <laughs> we could also cut the p off of this and do like crim dagor. Which has a little, I don't know. I like that flow better. Yeah, I think these are, I like that. I also like that. Um... It's interesting because Krimpatul is part of the One Ring rhyme in Black Speech. It's it's Ashnazk Derbatuluk, Ashnaz Gimbatul, Ashnazk Trakatuluk, Agborzim Ishi Krimpatul. I will I will leave this up to you. I've liked all the suggestions so far. Man, I have to make a decision. <laughs> now I have to choose between selfishness or... Be selfish. Yeah, that's fine. They're all good names. Okay, I think my two favorites are Krimdagor or Ndaktaloth. You know, I do. I think I like the flow of Ndaktaloth better. Let's do that. Okay. Can you spell it for me? Yes. N-D-A-K-D-E-L-O-T-H. Okay. And that is for 
battle plus abhorrence in the black speech? Yes. Sick. In Mordor talk. Mordor talk. This um this linguist website who I'm on says base language for base purposes. Mm. <laughs> and that's that's it. That's all the horses we have today, which is surprising to me. If you had asked me before going into this episode, I think I would have falsely remembered that there were horses in this battle. I guess not. Yeah. Who's your who's your favorite from today? My favorite from today is I don't know, I like all these weirdos. Yeah. Cinnamon is technically from last time, but we get to see Cinnamon's markings and cool face armor so much more up close that I think it might be Probably Cinnamon, Cinnamon but like name-wise, um Yeah. It, like they're all great. Probably Detamine is is up there for me. That is Oath 1 and 2. Oath 3. Time to write a song. Which song are we going to rewrite, Caitlin? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, we have a couple of options. Uh, there's the song that Sam was kind of like making up and singing as he was searching for Frodo in the tower journeys in, which begins in Western lands beneath the sun, the flowers may rise in spring, the trees may bud, the waters run, the merry finches sing. Didn't we do that one? Oh shit, we sure did. That was several episodes ago. Yeah. Sorry, we can't do that. There's the Hobbit's battle song, which is um, one with the halflings, praise them with great praise. And then there's what I assume is Elvish. Yeah. But that button has a weird... I want a real song. Yeah. Here, look at... I'm sending you the the list that we have been using of the list of verses and songs. I know you hate to open links. (sighs) You're making me open a link. Okay, hold on. We didn't do the, like, the Eagles song, right? When he comes back to Gondor with the news. Uh, correct. And says, sing now, ye people of the Tower of Anor, for the realm of Sauron is ended forever and the dark tower is thrown down. Yeah. I think this song is a little not great meter-wise, but I think we can pick a section of it and do something. And I like it thematically because the realm of Sauron is ended forever. (laughs) We've seen it happen in the book and movie now. (laughs) Um, okay. Also, sorry, there's... There's that whole song, The Ent and the Ent Wife, that Treebeard recites to Marion Pippin. Mm-hmm. Did we ever do anything with that? I don't know. It starts when spring unfolds the beech and leaf and sap is in the bough. And it's literally like stanza by an ent, stanza by an ent wife, like a, like a dialogue back and forth. No, we didn't do this. Will you read this whole thing with me first? And then we'll... Yes. Would you like to be the ent or the ent wife? <laughs> I'll, I'll be the ent wife. I can do that. When spring unfolds the beech and leaf and sap is in the bough, when light is on the wildwood stream and wind is on the brow, when stride is long and breath is deep and keen the mountain air, come back to me, come back to me and say my land is fair. 
When spring is come to garth and field, and corn is in the blade, when blossom like a shining snow is on the orchard laid, when shower and sun upon the earth with fragrance fill the air, I'll linger here and will not come, because my land is fair. When summer lies upon the world, and in a noon of gold, beneath the roof of sleeping leaves the dreams of trees unfold. When woodland halls are green and cool, and wind is in the west, come back to me, come back to me, and say my land is best. When summer warms the hanging fruit, and burns the berry brown, when straw is gold, and ear is white, and harvest comes to town, when honey spills and apple swells, though wind be in the west, I'll linger here beneath the sun, because my land is best. When winter comes, the winter wild that hill and wood shall slay, when trees shall fall and starless night devour the sunless day, when wind is in the deadly east, then in the bitter rain, I'll look for thee and call to thee, I'll come to thee again. When winter comes and singing ends, when darkness falls at last, when broken is the barren bough and light and labor past, I'll look for thee and wait for thee until we meet again. Together we will take the road beneath the bitter rain. Together we will take the road that leads into the west, and far away we'll find a land where both our hearts may rest. This poem makes me sad about the ant wives, bro. They have like a whole cute little back and forth going. It was good. How much of this do you want to replicate like form and content wise? I think it would be nice to maintain the key request and denial. No. <laughs> I like it over here. It could be it could be a person asking a horse to <laughs> to come to a different field or to the stable or to the whatever and the horse refusing. It could be like two two horses in neighboring pastures. Ottergorn inviting his hobbit pals to visit him in Gondor over and over again and they're like, nah, the Shire is cool, man. Sorry. <laughs> that one bums me out. Also, I do feel like we should go back thematically to horses. Like we've done we've done a poem about Aragorn, we've done a poem about Eowyn. Okay. I do like Sam and Frodo doing it back and forth, but the one that comes to mind is Frodo like wishing for Sam to join him in the Grey Havens and Sam isn't ready yet, which Oh, that's really is good. good but really sad. The other the horse thought I have is it could be another person saying essentially like come to dinner, come to do your homework, come to whatever and <laughs> And the reply is like, uh, no, I'm on a horse. Like, I'm with horses. I'm not gonna, like... It's, you know, it's very, like, horse girl yeah, movie. Which, which is what we did last time, too. But I think our the wording of our vow is that we will rewrite a song to be about horses. Yeah. Um, I also feel like, I mean, we're two and a half hours in. I feel like we're, I'm not fresh enough to do the Sam Frodo poem justice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is ranch mom and teenage girl, essentially. Ranch mom and coming-of-age horse girl movie protagonist. Yes. 
I think we should do one stanza from each and then the what's the and then the together stanza. Yeah, that sure is going to work out well. We'll figure um, out something. The together stanza is the horse girl convincing their mom to because she's actually like when she has She horse was a time. horse girl herself, right? Right. And also when daughter has horse time, she ends up being like happier and healthier. And the yeah. mom sees that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we need to strip the season stuff like right off the bat. Yeah, that's not really going to work out for us. Although, okay, we could do this. It's fall right now. It's fall right now. It's a little further into fall than I'm thinking for this song. But it could start with like, it's fall, school is back in session. You need to like come inside and buckle down. And she's had like the horse summer and mm, wants she's to coming keep... off of horse summer right <laughs> yeah yeah so we can have like a little seasonal element in this like first line here in this in this setup the ranch mom is the end and the horse girl protagonist is the ant wife right so we need we should start with ranch mom yes okay mm. The leaves are turning red and gold, and... Summer's grip has loosed. Ooh, if we want to rhyme with loosed. Oh, yeah. Summer, it can be something about, like, summer's summer's at an end. That's probably an easier rhyme. Mm-hmm. What if it's, and summertime is gone oh that's more harsh or 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 like o apostrophe e r whatever we can rhyme with um what is it is it a it's a a b b yes i like something about like the weight of the world is settling back on you or yeah like you like you have responsibilities again Mm-hmm. Something about the world putting you on a shorter tether. <laughs> Responsibilities are back. I initially was like, surely gone has plenty of rhyme words that rhyme with it, but um We can do summers at its end or summers yeah. over. Yeah, I just have to look up the rhyming dictionary so I can see. I like doing the leaves are turning red and gold, like the end of summer's nigh, and then something about like returning to the world with a sigh. Mm. End of summer's nigh, which is mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. puts us at that like tradition or that yeah. like transitional. Yeah, 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 yeah. You must return to school and home, albeit with a sigh. Nice. More to roam the. More to roam the summer green. Something about some we introduced the horse yard riding. I don't know if we have to introduce the horse because the horse girl will do that. Yeah. No more to roam the summer green. Actually, I don't. We don't need summer here because we've already established that. Yeah. Okay. How about for a third line? Are mm-hmm. you are you ready for something? Yeah. Sure. Okay, what about no longer free to roam and ride the master of your time? Blank. And then 
the next line, something, something. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was also working on something time-related. Your time. Okay, okay. And then we get a mention of writing there, but then it leaves yeah, most. Yeah, but it's, yeah. What rhymes with time? Chime, climb, crime, grime, I'm, lime, mime, crime, rhyme, slime, bedtime. Damn, bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> but that's time again. Like, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The nice thing about that is we could easily slip in something else for time if we don't find a rhyme. Like, it could be the master of your yeah. day or the master of your hours. Um, sublime paradigm. <laughs> Joey. Joey. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to fucking use paradigm. I like for the first half of this next thing, the world is pressing in on you. That's how it feels when I'm like frustrated about my obligations. The world is pressing in on you, a shift in paradigm. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Perfect. That's the first stanza. We're done. (laughs) Okay, horse girl time. No. (laughs) but mom i'm literally on a horse (laughs) (laughs) okay okay we need to i don't i i I don't care we're starting with that line but but mom i'm literally on a horse um oh no now we have to rhyme horse no no that's halfway through the line that's not the that's not the rhyme at the end but mom i'm literally on a horse I can't just come inside. Or she could be a little shit and be like, you cannot tether me. Mm, I like that, but I kind of want to save it for like the end. Oh, sure, sure. A, a punchy we can rhyme, ending. We can rhyme you me know? and free so easily. Yeah. What if it's, I don't want to go inside. It's not as smooth cadence wise. I can't come inside works too. Yeah, let's, we could do moments literally. What, what are you getting at with I I don't want to? Like what is important? It, it is literally there. the I, I don't want to. But it's also very teenager to be like, this thing I don't want to do is literally impossible. Like I'm not capable of doing that. Yeah. So yeah. let's just do I can't, okay. I can't, I can't come, inside. come inside. And then we could rhyme. I know we've already used ride once, but we could rhyme inside and ride very easily if we wanted this line to be horse centric. Mm. Because we didn't use it as the rhyming line. It's in the middle of a... Mm-hmm. I really think I'm gonna die if... <laughs> I don't get to ride. If I don't get to ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. But this is the teen. I really think I'm gonna die if I don't get to ride. It's perfect. And then, and then we'll end with... Uh, okay, like spirit of the Cimarron. No, 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 Joey, we have literally already done that line. Like homework, housework, the things that she doesn't want to do, and that line can end with "You cannot tether me." Well, we need this is the third. We need a third line. I think "You cannot tether me" is the second half of the fourth line. Okay, I see what you're saying. We need a word that rhymes with "me" at the end of this line. Okay, line Let's three. See. Homework, um, chores. It could be something like things you ask of me. Mm-hmm. Could be the line. Oh, wait, no, wait, hold on. You cannot tether me ends with me. So it needs to, it can't be it, me. It has to rhyme yes. with me. Yes. So be free 
And she, okay, what if the last line is, I am like a wild horse, you cannot tether me. (laughs) Yes, perfect. Love it. Um, Uh, So homework chores, uh, like something, fuck, it's something, yeah, I must be free. I am like a wild horse, you cannot tether me. Okay, Um, yeah, I... I think homework chores is like really throwing off the. I want it to be the thing she doesn't want to do, but that is like really throwing yeah, yeah, off the yeah. meter of the start of that line. Well, homework housework doesn't, but I'm just I'm trying to figure out the the rest of it. We could do like homework housework never ends. No, I must be free. I am like a wild horse. You cannot tether me. Okay, yeah, I like it. Okay, homework housework, homework comma housework never ends. No, exclamation point. I must be free. Perfect. Man, usually I'm much more useful in the songwriting and I'm like very brain dead today, I guess. No, that's okay. You're, but I like it. You, We're hearing more of your voice. My voice, comma, the voice of a rebellious <laughs> teenage horse girl protagonist. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about this mm-hmm. line they're doing together? Mm-hmm. What if it's about like doing things together for company and so they get them done quickly so they both have time to ride it's like we will work together to do the things that we don't want to do so that we can go ride yeah okay how about like the first line is something like our priorities may differ also okay the together is only two lines i think we need four yeah we can do that we and so what i want is like our priorities may differ, but like, this is what we share. We both really fucking love horses. You know, I mean, that's not the that's not the meter, but like, to so we'd use the first two lines to establish like they have differences, but their love of horses is what's in common. And then the third and fourth lines is like we will work together. Yeah, totally perfect to get things done more fast. <laughs> More, more fast, more faster. (laughs) I was trying to stay in meter. Um, What if it's our priorities may differ, though more than blood we share? Wow. What rhymes with share is the wind in our hair. (laughs) (laughs) The cadence of wind in our hair is not great for what we're working with, unfortunately. Right. Um, Yeah. We. I mean, we could put a verb in there and keep the meter. The feeling, the feeling of being on a horse as wind whips through our hair. The the love of being on a horse. Yeah, that's the thing they share. Yeah, okay. The love yeah. of being on a horse. Well, wind whips through our hair. That's great. Good job. Thank you. Um, maybe we can work together and get these things done quick. <laughs> what what do we want the last let's think backwards what do we want that yeah yeah the, yeah that last um, uh line to be it could end with and gallop or the hills and then the line before could end with like something about you know setting aside thrills for now <laughs> delayed gratification <laughs> Um, <laughs> you are you are feeling over today. Uh, look, it just was in came in handy in that instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, that rhyme works, but I really want the second half of this line to be like, I know the first half is let us work together, but it's like we can be more efficient. Uh, it's about like sharing the sharing their burdens, like mm. mm-hmm. sh- shared burdens, like feel lighter or yeah, like get done quicker. What you said earlier, although quick mm-hmm. is going to be a bad rhyme for us. So let us work together. Like, 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 like horses in a cart. <laughs> um, well, we could, we could say something about being yoked, right? Like. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. If we do. So let us work together like ponies on a cart. And then our last line can end with heart. Uh I also really like the idea of this mom being like, you know who works together? Horses. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So let us work together like ponies, I think with a cart. Yeah, totally. Okay. And Uh, then we get to, and then we can, I think, and then might be a good starting. I don't know. And then we go and spend some time with the horses of our heart. With horses, um, comma, heart to heart. Aw. Uh, yeah, I'm not coming up with any, like, perfectly brilliant whatever, but, like, that feels... Yeah, okay. So let's work together, like, ponies with a cart, and then we'll get... Um... Wait, and then out to the stable we'll go, or, and then out to the barn we'll go, uh, for horse time, heart to heart, Mm, yeah it's but i just think and then we'll get to is it's it's a weaker line right like we can yeah 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 out to the barn we go is is punchier i want the and then as the as the linking i don't care about the right you know. yes and then and then out to the barn we'll go with horses comma heart to heart <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, we could also say, and then out to the barn to ride our horses. And then out to... I like the idea of ending it with heart, and I feel like there's something else, some other possibility here that I'm missing, but I don't know what. Yeah. Partly it's that we're dealing with two people and a singular heart. Yeah, which... yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's tricky. We're so close. I I can just feel the the gears of our mm-hmm. brains like turning and crunching. Mm-hmm. I really like the line. So let us work together like ponies with a cart. I mean, we can pluralize hearts. Like it does not. Yeah, have I mean, to he's out there doing like rain and there. and again, right? And it could be like, oh yeah, and then out to the barn we'll go, or, and then. Out to the barn to ride the horses of our hearts. Yeah. We, I don't know if this is, I didn't realize this, but we have replicated the ending line, which ends with a land where both our hearts may rest. Oh, yeah. What do you think of the that last suggestion? And then out to the barn to ride the horses of our hearts. It like 90% works, you know? Yeah. I almost want it to be some, I, something about, like, riding t- together. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling stuck and tired, so maybe we should mm. just leave it. Yeah. 
Okay. And then together we can ride. And then together we can ride. The horses of our hearts is still like an option there. Yeah. Unless we have something better. Though but it's the it horses. Has, the ho- it has the togetherness. Yeah, I wanted. I think the thing the thing that is not quite working for me is the horses of our hearts, but. I d- yeah. I feel like I'm in a wet paper um, bag that I can't think myself out of because of us being several <laughs> hours in, and that's okay. That's poetry sometimes is being in a yeah. soggy bag. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Now that's a poem. Now that's a poem. The soggy. The soggy bag. Okay. Can you edit that last line? Yes. Okay. Here's one other possibility, and then out to the barn to ride together, heart to heart, or heart and heart. Let's do, yeah, let's do that. I like heart and heart. Then out to the barn to ride, comma, together, comma, heart and heart. I like that because they have differences, but they're also like working together for the shared. Yeah. Yeah. And then both their horse loving hearts are sharing that love. Yeah. That works great for me. Okay. 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 Um, are you going to be... Oh, I'm the teen. Okay. Um, I realized the I can't come inside, it it works, you know, if you put I on the on the downbeat there, um, but you have to do that. And if you jump it and start with I as a pickup note, then you got to use cannot instead yeah, of can't. I'm on it. Okay. I'm on, I'm I just... On okay. The leaves are turning red and gold, the end of summer's nigh. You must return to school and home, albeit with a sigh. No longer free to roam and ride, the master of your time. The world is pressing in on you, a shift in paradigm. But mom, I'm literally on a horse. I can't come inside. I really think I'm gonna die if I don't get to ride. Homework, housework never ends. No, I must be free. I am like a wild horse. You cannot tether me. Our priorities may differ, though more than blood we share. The love of being on a horse while wind whips through our hair. So let us work together, like ponies with a cart, and then out to the barn to ride, together, heart and heart. Wow, we did it. Do you want to, oh, do you want to? No, I don't think so, because... Well, maybe, but it feels like it's the mom's. I know it is it. kind of written more in like the mom voice. Yeah, which works because it is like the poem is a back and forth. So, yeah, I think we should leave it as okay. is. I think we did good. Oh, okay, that is wow. Oath three fulfilled, and for oath four, the beacons are unlit. The beacons are cold and dead, just like Theoden King. Wow. Okay. That means peace reigns in this land. Yeah, peace schmeese. If you'd like to relight our beacons, you know where to find us. (laughs) Okay, wow. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you are running out of episodes in which to do so. So hit us with those questions. Do you want to know what we think about horses' perception of time? Please don't don't ask us about Email us. Do you want to know more of my opinions on Peter Jackson, email us. Do you want to know more little fanfic ideas for Frodo and Sam and everyone else? Email us. Do you write spicy Sam and Frodo fanfic? Fucking email us. Yeah.
It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here one step closer to the end with you, my dear Sam. Wow. My Joe wow. Joe Wise Gamgee. <laughs> God. Let's um, fucking stop okay. recording, please. Thank you for listening. The music you heard at the beginning was Horse by Horse, arranged and performed by Caitlin and Joey. That's us. You can listen to it again at soundcloud.com slash shadowfactspod. The cover art was made by Annie Johnston Click at Dancy Naru on Twitter. I'm Caitlin, my pronouns are they, them, and you can follow me at Chalo and Behold on Twitter. You can follow the show at ShadowFactsPod and email your horse-related Lord of the Rings questions to ShadowFactsPod at gmail.com. Joining me on this journey there and back again is... Joey. My pronouns are they, he, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoeyThePrince. If you want to read and watch along, check the episode description for the segment we'll cover next time. This has been Shadow Facts. One horse to rule them all! Ha 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 ha!